Hey, I'm Happy. JM the Thriller Priest. Madam Willis. Just Johnny. And this is the Geek Down on WEMF Radio. Leaping forward bionically. Why can't I ever get to what I'm just y'all saying? Y'all gotta get in the spirit. Hey, y'all, gotta get in the y'all gotta get real. Sorry, fellas, I got a little off sorts, but it's okay because we have an awesome action-packed fun show for the people. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another sort of geek down here on WNFI and Pats. Housewife next to my main man, Black Adam Willis. Yes, sir. How you doing, Patrice? Happy Monday to you, my friend. Happy Monday, right back at you, I'm feeling all right, you know. The weather, man. So I'm glad you came out to join us. Of course, man. We are not alone. Have in the house, in the building, man, the myth, the legend from parts unknown. The truth, the consequences. JM, umbrella in Manila Priest. Peace, peace, peace. I love how enthusiastic your, your introduction was to the pool again. Headphones are flying off your head. That's the level of dedication I love, and that's what keeps me. You used to let me do here. it for a while, be like, yeah, J- uh, JM's here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> yeah, he showed up too. Who else is here? Yeah, all right. Well, well, who else is here? I'll tell you who else is here. Uh, Juggalo Johnny. <laughs> Not a juggalo. Man, I just went himself. to one show. Man, out of himself before the show. <laughs> I like, just wore the makeup and drank the Fago. Uh, you drank the Fago. I was you? a teenager. I didn't know better. <laughs> it's like the Kool Aid, you know? He's over here telling it. us how magnets work and stuff, man. It's crazy. <laughs> Somewhere shaking too dope is, has a tear dripping down his cloud face. <laughs> we lost one. Another one bites the dust. Give it out for him. <laughs> okay, so we have an awesome show for you lined up, man. We have the, the proper review for Imperian Cyberstorm. Johnny's mm-hmm. going to drop the latest Wes Anderson joint on you with Isle of Dogs. Mm-hmm. Jamie and I got to check out the historical documentary, the, the fully <laughs> accurate historical piece, <laughs> Death of Stalin. Man, WrestleMania 2018 saw the introduction of Ronda Rousey. <laughs> rouse him and wreck him. Man, man. To rope him and dope him. Yeah. Okay. There's more that. More <laughs> that. All right. <laughs> and then we have the inside stuff, the, the, the ends and the fine points of PAX 2018. PAX East, my friend. Mm-hmm. And we will let you all in on the secrets, the slyness, the sickness, and what sucked as well. Oh, <laughs> but I'm going to kick it over right now. To my main, well, to my other main man. <laughs> I'll stop with the juggalo stuff, man. <laughs> Double J. That's J U S T J O G L O. Double J. Double J. J-U-double-G. It's got me in there. All right, just Johnny, you got the you got to check out a uh, uh, Perian Cyberstorm. So you want to give us the, uh, the the quickness? Yeah. So Perian Cyberstorm, it's. Kind of like a, uh, how do I describe it? There's this game that came out a while ago called, uh, a long time ago, called uh, Insanely Twisted Shadow Planet. Was that the it, name of the game? That was the name of the game. How did I miss something called Insanely Twisted, Twisted Shadow Planet? I don't know. It was really good. It came out on PSN. Adam, why did you let me know there was a game called I was Insane- busy playing it myself. Uh, it was like <laughs> five or six years ago. Uh, so this game is kind of like that where it's a top-down uh, twin-stick shooter, but there's exploration elements to it mm-hmm. where you're going from you're going through windy corridors into a room, and then you're blasting a whole lot of enemies. Uh, that's that's a far as it gets to being you know 
resembling Insanely Twisted, which is an actually really good game. Uh, Imperial Cyberstorm is the opposite of that. It's a really... Oh, no it's not a bad game. It's just so mediocre in everything that it does. Uh, but it's a full-fledged game. It has all all <laughs> the, the options that one... epic. Well, well, they kind of executed, like, good enough on this game where it has everything that you would expect a fully released game to have. Oh. So it's not like... It didn't feel like it was a rushed effort. It just, just feels... bare minimums. Yeah, it just feels... It's going um, out of its way to be like, you know... Uh, Basic as basic as it wants it wants to be. Yeah, like it has leaderboards, it has local multiplayer, it has uh, this campaign mode, uh, it has a uh, survival mode where you're just playing. Uh, you're going through waves and waves of enemies coming after you, and you're just trying to see how long you can last and how big of a score you can get. Uh, so pretty thorough, though. Yeah, yeah. It, it, so you, you get that that exploration element of insanely twisted, and then you also get Tron. It, this is more so in in the realm Wait, of did Tron. You the game? Tron, the Tron, arcade baby. game. You get Tron, baby. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, so it, it's it's more like that than it is anything else. Uh, you're playing as these couple of different uh, spaceships, and each one has slightly different uh, characteristics on how they operate and the weapons that they use and how they fire and stuff like that. But uh, what it boils down to is just monotony incarnate. You're just going down a boring corridor shooting some crystals to get to collect some currency that you then use for meaningless power-ups uh which is not fun you know just going down an empty corridor with some crystals in it to shoot is just bad game design Damn. in general well, and then you go into a, a, something to break the monotony of all uh, that hardcore dance has gotten to be a little <laughs> out of control it's cool to, oh, sorry, sorry. and then you go into this uh into the these rooms that are kind of like little mini arenas and you fight wave after wave after wave after wave after wave after wave after wave. Wait, are they trying to make enemies. like a, are they trying to make like a crowd battle uh, game just with the ships? Then it, it's like Smash TV. If you're familiar with Smash TV, yes, yes I am. Yeah. yeah. So you're just having enemies come at you from all different corners of the of the environment, well, and you're be, shooting them, okay. and you're trying Those to dodge around to the bullets. Stress, you know. So it's like you just spend time smashing. Different units. Yeah, but Smash TV had a personality to it. It had interesting mechanics to it, where you could pick up these power ups, and you know you're you're attacking enemies, and it had that one hit kill, and had that very fine tune uh, control exactly where you need to be, where you need to stand. You could do kiting mechanism um, mechanisms where where most of the robot enemies will sort of uh, you can sort of guide them along how you want them to be so you're thinking ahead of where you need to place your character in order to shoot the enemies to take them down yeah. uh, this game has none of that the enemy AI is very very uh, it the AI will do what it needs to do regardless of how you are flying your ship more or less it is based on your ship and where it's positioned but it's rudimentary AI where it will either circle around you or it will um, mainly just circle around you uh, it, it, some of them will just ignore you entirely and bounce off of walls uh, it, it's just or better yet they'll have enemies that can go through walls that you cannot so the enemies are <laughs> doing things that you can't do uh, so they have like this weird uh, uh, exception to their own rules of how they operate, but you have to abide by these other rules that are more strict and uh, more restrictive. 
Uh, and so then every that, now that and then there's boss battles. It's like, it's like one of those old school games where to make it quote unquote challenging, the game's just outright cheating. What? Well, yes, but it's also not challenging either. So, so it has all the elements that would be a very hard game, mm -hmm. uh, a very hard bullet hell, twin stick shooter style game, but none of the challenge for it. I was playing on normal difficulty, not challenging at all. I literally was able to stand in spot and shoot enemies and not even bother with dodging bullets and I would not die. Oh, the asteroids technique. Well, it's tried yes. and true. Yes. Okay, so did you try hard mode then? Was that maybe maybe you were just that ill? You know, you were just that gangster uh, at these at this type of game that yes, normal seemed like no challenge to you, but you didn't also take into account you are some kind of like you know Jedi ninja. <laughs> uh, I was not I was not going out of my way to play good. I started off trying to you know trying to be you know dodge all the bullets and play well, but it it's. Part of the monotony is that the enemies, almost all the enemy ships, have HP bars that take more than one hit. And when you're playing these types of games, like Smash TV, right? Mm -hmm. You shoot a robot once, boom, dead. Yeah. And then you shoot all the other ones, and you're just going after wave after wave. But it's not you're not wasting you know five seconds trying to take out one enemy when there's another fifty that you have to kill. So it takes forever to clear just a single room, and then each. Uh, I guess they're worlds or stages or levels. I don't. I don't know what to call it. But each, let's say, level yeah. is made up of multiple arena-based rooms tied with corridors. And there's like I don't know, like, like ten to twenty rooms mm. inside of one level. And then you, there's like four big giant levels. So it's just it takes forever to progress. It's like a couple hours just to get through one level. These types of games should not take that long. You should expect to beat the game within a couple hours, and the difficulty should be there to sort of say to slow you down and have you uh, sort of, you know, uh, ha make you have fun and feel a challenge to it and get better at it. This game doesn't have it. It's well, just it sounds about as fun as a root canal. But okay. so I guess <laughs> the uh, I guess the, the 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 proper question is thumbs up, thumbs down. Oh, definitely thumbs down. I started off with a thumbs down just to let everyone know it's available on. <laughs> it look the game's not bad. It has We've just everything <laughs> you just said. It's mediocre, which I feel is worse than being bad. When you're so <laughs> mediocre that you can't make a game that's worth the price of admission, it at least feels bad. I could there might be some people out there like, oh, I want to try out this super bad game. This is not a super bad game. It doesn't control bad. There's the graphics aren't bad. The graphics are alright. There's there's a story element which is completely stupid, pointless, and they should never have included that. Whoever had the heart on to write a story for this game should not work in sort of game writing in general Damn. because it was wow. so throwaway <laughs> generic it was bad but All anyway right. so in the words anyway. of uh in the words of uh just johnny it's not it's not bad it's just very 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 ungood it's right. it's mediocre <laughs> mediocre it's, it's available uh it came out uh two months ago or a month and a half ago on switch it's also available on steam Whatever price they're asking for it, it doesn't matter because you should not pick it up. <laughs> you should tell me what is it even available on. Don't pay it. You find out what it's available on because it's a Perry and Cyberstorm. Uh, and uh, apparently, it's thumbed down. Just Johnny says, don't bother. And um, apparently, wished like ill on a man's career. 
a lot of person's career. It was a few people. It was a few. I looked at the credits. I I feel bad for saying this, but like, don't make a mediocre game. <laughs> Johnny's watching the credits. Well like said. Thank you. Mike Smith, you suck. Don't you ever work again? <laughs> Carly Jackson, you suck. Don't you ever work again? He's like going through the whole credits list. Yeah, I feel like you just spent a night going going on Moby Games, going through the list, uh, uh, and and make it man, man, like you know, hoping you had a Death Note. It's like okay, so so blank and blank. Just the writing. It, it's not that the writing is so bad. It's just like it, it, it did not, not need so to be thing. there at all. It was like completely uncalled for. Therefore, bad. All right. All right. Well, that's thank you for being succinct and <laughs> apparently brutally, brutally honest. Um, all right. Now kicking it over to Black Adam Willis. I want to hear about these dogs, man. These dogs, man. Oh, man, it's you Isle got of inside dogs. stuff on Isla Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson, which is like <laughs> I am not. A huge fan, but I'm also not a fan. Not not a fan. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm you're a, not a huge I, fan, but you're not not, not a, a fan. fan. You know what you. I mean? So, so his movies are like, I either really like him or I never want to see him again. I'm a it's fan. I'm a things. fan of his work. Yeah, it's a, and it's it's one of those guys is really a polarizing person. You mm -hmm. either really find them poignant and moving, or you really just like, wow, this is really tedious like and annoying. Like M Night Shyamalan. Yeah. So Deep. this is his. Ninth feature. This is his second stop motion uh, movie after uh, Fantastic. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Fantastic Mr. Fox was really good, though. Yeah, and I like that one, and I because I really like stop motion animation, and mm -hmm. I think this one was in line with that in yeah. terms of it's something really I kind of responded to, mm -hmm. and I think he does well with this medium. Mm -hmm. um, basically, this movie uh, is takes place in this fictional Japanese town of uh, Megasaki City. <laughs> And in so that, said Megasaki. Uh, in Megasaki City, and they <laughs> basically ex export all these dogs. Um, every dog that lives there, because they say they're the cause of all this sickness and all these diseases, mm. things like that. And so they send them to this trash city, where it's literally a vast apocalyptic wasteland of trash, like mm. rivers of sludge and all that. And if you kind of read into it in terms of uh, the current political climate, it's about mm -hmm. deportation. It's about scapegoating. Yeah. It's really kind of this mm -hmm. like topical stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but the story itself, the common thread, uh, the, the, the through line for the movie is this 12-year-old boy, uh, one of the first inhabitants of, one of the first dog inhabitants of Trash City is his guardian dog. And so he, mm -hmm. this 12-year-old boy sets out to Trash City to try to find him. This dog named Spots, voiced by Leif Schreiber. Mm -hmm. um, nice. And so it's, it's kind of this, you know, this, poignant little tale of the you know a 12 year old boy trying to find his dog and then, and then there's all this pack of dogs that help him out try to find spots so that's basically the story of this movie this but the, really like, the i'm trying to figure how this factors into a west craven style story because <laughs> if it's going to follow like the the general uh template then um i, I guess the uh, uh that kind of that... would be uh depressed well, it's like um, the, the boyhood, boyhood wander, kind of, you know what I mean? It's usually like uh, Wes Anderson movies kind of have the kid, you know, out setting out on an adventure, you know, kind of doing it alone, trying to, like, basically uh, how to get by in an adult world, you okay. know what I mean? I like, you know, when the parents and adults are screwing everything up, like a kid's trying to, you know, make sense of it and do mm -hmm. things on their own. That's kind of what I got out of it, which I do a lot of his films, is usually about youngsters kind of taking on the mess uh, that the adults make. Yeah, you know what I mean? Also, like, abnormally mature for their age of course mm -hmm. yeah yeah they're definitely these precocious teens that most more often than not do not exist but you know you suspend your disbelief a little bit with well, that in I, terms I of the, the task they take on it's kind of genius doing stop motion animation because how much you can get away with it more on the budget 
by having the uh, these animated characters just stop and how much time they spend just awkwardly staring at the screen. Well, there's that, you know what I mean? I, he does that, you know, that framework where he doesn't move the camera at all. He just kind of sets it down in something, and it's very meticulously detailed uh, frame. Mm -hmm. And everyone, all the characters kind of walk into it, do their thing, and then they walk off. Yeah. And that's kind of how he does his movies. And whether you mm. like that or you don't, like I'm a more of a like a Paul Thomas Anderson guy where the camera's constantly moving. I like yes. that kind of the motion mm -hmm. part of it. But I, like I can also appreciate this. Always on fire. Every yeah, time. you know. And a swerve, the big swerve. What's the movie where everything was always on fire? Uh, Bad Boys. Bad Boys. Snake the in New York was like that too. Mm -hmm. Things burning for no reason. Um, <laughs> but this uh, this movie is it's with the animation. It's just it's so beautifully detailed in particular, and there was like. You know, sake bottles that like catch the you know the the sunlight and they make this glare and it's it's really 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 detailed as you would expect from him and of course the voice acting uh, is you know he always gets the the same kind of troupe with a few other people yeah. Scarlett Johansson Jeff Goldblum Brian nice. Cranston this, well, like I said Relief Schreiber Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Yeah. Of course, Bill Murray. You get a cast like that, whether it's voice acting, whether it's actually like Edward Norton, all these guys, in it, and it's like, that's they do well, you know what I mean? And everyone's kind of. One of the regulars now? Because I thought Edward Norton is, yeah. First. Does that mean he's been like ushered in? He's I think been, he's like, been ushered in. I think he's, yeah. He's, he's part of the team now. I'm not slighting Edward Norton. I actually like Right, yeah. But me too. But I mean, you're right. He was a historically big part of the team. I mean, it's like, you know, Bill Murray's Kingdom all of a sudden Bruce Willis was in there. I was like, what? Beautiful casting is Bruce Willis in this role. You know what I mean? It's so perfect. It's a sad, dumb cop. You know what I mean? It's so perfect. Bruce Willis doing a voice? No, I'm saying when he was in Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, I was like, like I hadn't seen him before, but like in that role, I'm like, wow, that's perfect. You know what I mean? Who would have thought to grab Bruce Willis? Well, he's got range, and we almost he does, but he's so bored over the years with doing just whatever throwaway action. Die, die hard. But I'm like, just retire. Yeah, just retire at that. Just retired, but I mean, he's still collecting checks. You know what I mean? But it's just like that one. I was like, it's that's that that was the movie. I was like, okay, you're you're being used properly. You know what I mean? It's giving you something you're interested in. His best performance, as we all know, of all. All time was Hudson Hawk. So now, oh my God, with Danny Aiello, yeah, of course, Danny Aiello. All he wanted was a cappuccino, man. That's all he wanted. What a horrible piece of crap. Oh, it's a passion project. <laughs> passion project. He's Hudson. What do they sing on the way out of the? Well, I, I was knows? trying to think of it too. It's it's like some, like the, the song. It's like an that they old use. show tune kind. Yeah, of I actually thought that was slick. That's how they timed. Um, their uh, their heists. You know it, and you know when I when I first watched uh, one of the last uh, Tom Cruise uh, Mission Impossible's, it was uh, and they play the Dean Martin song, and that's how he knows when to when to escape from prison. They play yeah. that, and he's like, okay, that's the cue for me to escape, and it times it perfectly. I was like, that's from Hudson Hawk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, stealing from Hudson off. Hawk, Tom Cruise. I get rip you. Rip off I any of the classics. I know Hudson all Hawk your secrets. <laughs> I know all your secrets. But yeah, um, as for this movie, I definitely would give it a thumbs up. It's it's okay. it's one of those Wes Anderson movies. Like I said, I'm if it's gonna be another one of those movies that you're gonna find your reasons to dislike it if that's what your your experiences with him. But if you you're already do like all of his films, this is gonna be another one that you're just gonna you know add it to your you know your queue of things that you really enjoy um, by this director. So it it it'll. Confirm your your dislike or your or your enjoyment of the director in the same way, um, but I, I appreciated this movie. Um, I would definitely recommend going and check it out. So cool! It's yep. called Isle of Dogs. Isle of Dogs by Wes Anderson. Plus, it's got Jeff Goldblum's voice in it, which I heard he did over the phone. 
Oh, I hope not. Two, that is which is literally, he's like, I did my bit for, for the movie over the phone. Oh. He literally phoned it in. Like, he had nice. something out. Yeah, he phoned it in, like, quite literally, you know what I mean? Which is, I don't know. It's, it's the most Goldblum thing I've ever heard. It's the only Goldblum. Maybe Bill Murray, too. Bill Murray. Uh, Bill Murray's the man. Well, please tell me, hold, hold up. Please tell me that Goldblum was, uh, was actually, like, doing uh, dog sounds. <laughs> well, there's also. Yeah, yeah, well, well, we'll see. We'll see. What see, I did. Um, um, uh, <laughs> what, what I didn't mention with this movie is too. There's a little bit of a controversy with you know the the Japanese characters are kind of like pushed off to the side where the voices of the dogs are all obviously English. So it's like, oh, I think Vice even had like the headline or something for one of their reviews. It's like, this is a white person's Japanese vision, and uh, it was something like that. And it was like, this is their. No. Their, their version of this it's like kind of I think it's like pushing those characters aside to kind of show you know the, the dog's perspective you know what I mean in, mm-hmm. in, in this world it's it's not really about that it just happens to take place in Japan I don't, it's people reading a little bit too much into it and you kind of get that hate train going you know what I mean and yeah. it's like you start that's, pointing that's at things and it's like on, but I don't know I'm not Japanese so I can't really speak on if they have issues with it no, that's okay if, if, if the white folks have anything Japanese it's going to be live action Ghost in the Shell and we'll leave it at that that's true, oh, that's true. which they, yeah, might have, they might have some I beef said, with right let's get all those defenders but, yeah let's not let's <laughs> blow up our comment section here it wasn't that bad that's all I'm saying it wasn't that bad it was not good either <laughs> or as Johnny would say, it was ungood. It was uh, mediocre, but not bad. So mediocre that I like mediocre. Right. All right, all right. Now speaking of, um, oh, dang, damn it, amazing is what you're speaking of. Right speaking now, speaking of uh, heavily English productions playing um, <laughs> other yes. ethnicities, uh, JM and I got to check out Death of Stalin. Yes, this is the new Did picture that's that actually based on this. Yep. Go ahead, check it out. A new picture based on the graphic novel. Was it also a, novel, a standard novel or just graphic? Graphic novel. Okay, based off the graphic it was, novel. Um, it was in French that they translated to English, and I got that a couple years ago. All right, it's in mm-hmm. French, translated to English, starring Brits. Pretty much. All right, we are all over the spectrum here. Uh, but it's basically a story of um, the political party, uh, the Russian political party, around the death of Joseph Stalin. Uh, the Red Tsar himself, mm-hmm. and uh, who's going to take over power. The power struggle that ensued, and um, a lot of dirty laundry being aired. Uh, <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. I mean, it stays really close to the text. Uh, there are one or two things to edit it out. I mean, the, 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 the graphic novel was pretty book? intense. Had you read the graphic novel before? Yes, I did. He had read it. Yes, I did. So I would say it extends... Yeah. About ninety five percent of the way of the uh, of the actual graphic novels so was really good to be able to see that it was just done very well. I'm not gonna lie, when I first walked to the theater, I'm like, "Hold, they're speaking English? Wait, what?" Because I was prepared. <laughs> yeah. I was prepared for it to all so be like in Russian. Right? Well, you remember <laughs> was that? Uh, then bring up Tom Cruise movie again. It was a uh, Valerian. Was well, not Valerian. Sorry, uh, Valkyrie. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. It's like, oh, he doesn't have a German accent. I'm like, he's not speaking German either. <laughs> right. I'm like, what? Do you, what's your beef with it? I'm like, he's not gonna speak German, so he's why have an accent? It doesn't really matter at that. Point. Well, no, those are things they do. What was that? What was that? Uh, Wachowski, the Wachowski's movie, um, where everyone and supposed it takes place way in the future, where uh, uh, like English and Korean are like the the primary society. Oh, so right, they right, had, right. like all these characters who were supposed to be like part Korean. Oh yeah, uh, but they're speaking English and they're kind of feigning these Korean accents, mm-hmm. even though it's kind of strained. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's along the same lines yeah, as that. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was it wasn't totally bad. It was just kind of interesting seeing um, Steve Buscemi portraying Nikita Buscemi. Buscemi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you're like, Paul, you're Steve Buscemi, like. 
you're not Nikita Khrushchev. And it's just like really interesting that he portrays it so well. Well, the man's got great range. I'll <laughs> yeah, give him that. He's, he's, and he's got the chops. I, I guess. mean, and, and I mean, it's displayed in actual film. I mean, you see him being bubbling Khrushchev at the beginning, um, just kind of an odd duck, and how he systematically moves into a position of power in the movie where he becomes more cold and more dark. And you're, and it's. You're watching this movie over the course of two hours. You see Buscemi make this transition on the screen. Yeah, it's and like it's, just, it's in real time. Like a it's Michael a Corleone thing. type thing. Yeah, anyways, yeah. yes. The whole time you think he's this like uh, kind of goofy, lighthearted guy who's mm-hmm. just everybody's friend, you know. And over time, you see he's this cold, calculating, just power mad, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, essentially fiend. You know, very much he's like the uh, the Russian Black Adam Willis. It's hard <laughs> to, to, to picture that performance just in your head, but Buscemi delivers it well, brilliantly. When these cameras I, go off, damn. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's at the same time he's playing just opposed to uh, Barra or um, uh, starred by uh, Simon Russell Beale, um, who's primarily a British actor, but I know he starred in Penny Dreadful and Into the Woods. So he has roles in that, and of course with this film. Um, so he plays the the obvious antagonist who's. Immediately trying to make the power play was already plotting against Stalin to begin with to try to try to um, try to overthrow him in many ways and he's obviously the antagonist that you're rooting against. Um, you're almost root for Buscemi because he he uh, or Khrushchev for this matter uh, for him being goofy in the beginning, but then you notice like towards the edge like hold on wait he just set this guy up oh damn like he is incredibly calculated it just worked out very well. Um, uh, Patty Constant, uh, Constantine is one of the I like that guy. Yes. Yeah, I liked him for a long time. Too. Yeah, and he's, he's a dude that mm-hmm. you may not actually recognize because he's done a lot of he's a uh, European British, type stuff. Yep. British, mm-hmm. British movies, um, but you know. very few works that have been seen here in America. If you've, uh, I guess, the best example of his work that you would recognize and know him from is if you've seen uh, any of the latter um, Cornetto trilogy movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he wasn't in Shaun of the Dead, but you would see him in uh, The World's End. Which you is know? my favorite one of the, mm-hmm. of, the th- of the three. That's the favorite. No, it, it, it's a, it's a good one. I had to see it like two or three times before it grew on me. But that's where he's from, which shows he's an actor that can do comedy. But also, this was a comedic movie, like not not a comedy, <laughs> no. but a comedic picture and dark he, comedy. It's it's know, funny. It was, I laugh because dark. my buddy my buddy puts on my Facebook page. Uh, it was funny, but it wasn't. <laughs> because the whole time you're laughing, but you're like, oh my God, people are really dying. Like, this is really happening. Yeah. Like, like, like at some point during the movie, um, Khrushchev, um, allow, uh, Khrushchev calls for the trains to run and to transport poor, poor Russians into town mm-hmm. um, to, to go see the death or view the body of Stalin against Barra's wishes. And Barra's secret police just mows him down mm-hmm. and literally kills 1,500 people. And you see Barra angry because it was clear that Khrushchev set him up and you kind of laugh and like yeah go ahead cruise chef you you, you sock it to him they're like but wait man 15 other people just die yeah damn uh, you know by, <laughs> it just gotta hit you uh very played by uh simon russell beale yep who's an actor who mostly plays like kind of um uh, uh dudes who are really put upon you know uh it, I'm, I'm your lawyer why won't you listen to me i'm giving you good advice mm-hmm. uh uh basically um he plays fat guys who sweat a lot and <laughs> and, and, and like wipe their brow and Jason Isaac it, was, it, was, it was interesting to see him as like the villain you know and we get him as the villain fairly soon but he kind of seems like a guy who's just working behind the scenes until like stuff starts to fall apart then he's just not he's just like look i'm taking over my secret police are, are taking out these cats uh removing the army from uh from power and position i'm just like damn dude slow down the body is still 
literally the body is still warm. <laughs> the, the, the body wasn't even dead yet. Yeah. <laughs> still twitching a little like, bit. Like, yeah. like, he thinks Stalin's dead. We can get him dead. to the hospital. He's not, he's not going to make it. Like, he thinks Stalin's nah. dead. He rolls up on and whispers something evil in his ear, like, die, old man, it's my time, or something like that. And, like, maybe... 20 minutes later, Stalin like pops up. It's like, oh my god, Stalin's still alive. He's like, his face turns white. Like, damn it, he's not dead. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do, I do love uh, one scene where Stalin gets up. Like in the movie, he falls into a coma. That's no secret. But uh, he get he gets up and he's trying to like struggle <laughs> to and like raise his arm. And then the entire room. This was just a really a really great bit of filmmaking. It was the entire room starts off. He's trying to he's he's raising an arm. He needs help. He wants water. No, he's 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 raising his arm in this direction. He's naming you as his successor. No, wait, he's making a proclamation. No, wait, he's saying that the symbol is the people. Like, where the hell did you get all this? And, and, and that man kind of like twitched a bit. And everyone's there, like they're sitting around his bedside at this scene, right? While they're looking at him, and he points up to this picture. Picture, presumably, mm-hmm. everyone turns their back and looks at the picture. As, <laughs> and he's, just, and he's in the back, just switching and dying. <laughs> shout out to Jeffrey Tambor who plays uh, Malakoff, mm-hmm. and uh, because he was the one who kind of did that expel. Jeffrey Tambor's and, the man. He is. Tambor's he is. Uh, despite the issue he ran into earlier this year, I mean, but he's still an amazing actor. Did a great job in his role. Uh, but he carried that whole scene very, very well. Mm-hmm. And it's just the the hallmark of the darkness of this comedy that it's a funny moment. It, but this man is twitching in the back and he's gonna die you know <laughs> and i will say a lot of good work um by well first of all uh jason isaac jason I, I isaac shout here. out yes mm-hmm. jason isaacs is uh someone who you may recognize from several roles but the most recent that i've seen him in is the captain in star trek discovery Okay, this man is being pigeonholed as just these hard ass. Well, he's in uh, exactly the, the no Mel Gibson, the, the the Patriot. He's the the oh, it's been a while since the I've jerk, about the for for the opposite side. Yeah, he's, there. Not, he's not. He's not kills his son. Nice you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Before this war was over, see, um, he plays Zukov in this movie. And, um, yeah, not, straight general military. And he's awesome. Has tons of medals on his chest and just was not playing around. Yeah, I love a dude who can walk into a room full of like five of his bosses and punk them all. <laughs> and, and walk out. It's, like, it's like, you work for these men. He's like, yeah, go get me a drink. Like, he's the general. He's going to say whatever he wants. Yeah, dude, I really have to call out the filmmaking on this because a lot of care was taken to make. It could have been just completely goofy mm-hmm. and off the rails. Um, I describe it kind of like if uh, like like uh, like Brian De Palma doing his Wes Anderson impression. Yes, well said. Yeah, well said. Uh, well, yeah, dude. If you see this picture, which I highly recommend you do, I'm giving it a thumbs up. I'm Me too. That right Without now, a doubt. This, this is a definite thumbs up. Uh, it is just really well done in the acting. The story is really well told. It's amusing as hell, despite it being dark as. And the filmmaking, uh, even up to the end credits sequence, I love the end credits <laughs> it was because good. they did something very interesting <laughs> where they show all these pictures. It's of the characters in the in the movie, but uh, in the historical uh, uh, in the historical photos that uh, where the actual characters they're playing, the real life uh, people were featured, mm-hmm. and they do this thing that actually happened in real life where mm-hmm. they show the original photo, and then they'll show like what like later on in history when. Uh, characters were airbrushed out mm-hmm. to show it's like okay yeah like the iconoclast yeah mm-hmm. and they'll show that picture and then characters just like fade out yep and then they'll show another picture and then someone's face is just uh, scratched oh, it just, out just happened to be rubbed out <laughs> we don't know who that was and i'm like that is deep because that is dark and accurate like historically accurate which is Ironically enough, yeah. the movie is banned in Russia, <laughs> uh, Kyrgyzstan, 
and it was one more country. Uh, but this book, in, I mean, in, the, in the book in the movie, um, is this it, is banned. It's just it's just interesting to hear that this movie is banned, but it's done very very well. Shout out to Armando Onucci, who's the one who actually directed this film, did an amazing job. And you're right, when I watch it, I'm thinking this is definitely Wes Anderson dark <laughs> like uh they immediately made me think of like the royal tenenbaums and how how it was so funny but it was like oh that's pretty intense what's happening in that scene you know so that sort of thing but yeah thumbs up go see it at the somerville theater um it's it's an amazing film mm-hmm. and, get, and get the um get the um novel too graphic novel is pretty good graphic novel uh, I, I do want to check it out after mm-hmm. seeing this. adam i think you would dig it yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm on it all right I'm on it cool. all right now i'm gonna kick it over well i'm gonna stay yes with, uh jm the thriller priest yeah, yeah, sir. Yeah. Uh, have the uh, have the inside stuff. That's the wrong. That's the wrong sport. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I right saw stuff. a still too, and it was because uh, you know not, not to, to break about like, no, there's a scene. Uh, no, no, I'm talking about uh, WrestleMania where Undertaker's over John Cena and it's just his nuts right in his face. <laughs> like, and like, it's like just like, this is what I paid style. to watch. <laughs> it's just like, and it, well, Undertaker's got this tongue out like, ah, you know what yep. I mean? It's just like, yeah. That's the wrong time to take a photo. <laughs> so, like when Dennis Robin dunked on his head. Yeah. One of my favorite uh, uh, clips from, it's an old, old Dream Team uh, clip. <laughs> from when Vince Carter uh, jumped over a guy. Over the seven foot two. Oh, yeah. Seven yeah, foot yeah, two, man. man. It's just like, he goes up and it's not just like he jumped over him. He goes up and grabs his head <laughs> yes, he as, he's, as he's passing over. And just for one split second, this dude's head is right in his lap. Just hop, hop. <laughs> this taste those American nuts. Goosh. You think they just and, kicked uh, him off the team after that? <laughs> <laughs> and that was posterized everywhere. That guy was pissed. As soon as that was done, he got mad at Bushman's Carter. Because he knew in the United States, his, his face is going to be in Vince Carter's nuts on the walls Forever. of many freaking teams. Forever. 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 Uh, All right, so. And then he, was, he wasn't humble about it afterwards, he was too. Not. He was screaming and he, he was, was like, yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gotta live with that forever. All right, so JM, whose nuts got placed in whose face today? <laughs> Several. All right, All right, so I'm gonna talk about wrestling. It's been like wrestling extravaganza because this is WrestleMania. Uh, but there were a couple other events that happened. Ring of Honor had their Super Card of Honor, which happened on Friday, Saturday night. Saturday night. Just highlight two things from that. One, Cody fought Kenny Omega. This has been this has been blowing up for a while. It is really good because I mean you get to see Cody showcased his post uh, WWE time. So to see him showcase very well um, versus Kenny Omega, who is arguably um, the greatest wrestler on earth right now. And it's funny because Cody's been marketed as someone who's been focusing on his character development so much to the point where his wrestling's been downgraded. So it's like, oh, Cody's an entertainer, um, but you actually got to see Cody show his arsenal of wrestling moves and just his his craft. That in many ways has been shunned or diminished when he's in WWE since WWE has their own wrestling style. And Kenny Omega did an amazing job. Also, Buddy Squirrel went up against Dalton Castle. Castle won. But the thing I really like is the fact that the fans are so behind Castle. And Castle has the gimmick of being a gorgeous George, of an Adrian Adonis, of a gold dust. This feminine figure, um, androgynous rather figure, who the fans are going or backing so very much and it's just it's pleasing to me to see that yeah. because this shifts to NXT where you see Velveteen Dream um, who has that same gimmick not like Castle but the, the sort of um, androgynous figure as well and I love it because first off Velveteen Dream is black and stereotypically speaking at WWE if you're a black wrestler you're gonna be big angry hate white people black guy you're gonna be dancing happy rapid black guy what, what, do, you nation, you what do you mean <laughs> nation of domination nation of domination or it's gonna be uh, or it's gonna be flash funk <laughs> and, and men on a mission oh 
men on a mission. Mo, Oscar, and Mabel. They Mo came down. They with hammer the, suits on. They, they would find like some random uh, blonde kid with the with the mushroom haircut and yes. put a little hat on him. Yes, they yeah. would. <laughs> it was horrible. Sting to that. Oh, and then dance with Rashi, uh, Rikishi. <laughs> well, pretty much. So it's just a shame. But the Steve yeah. Velveteen Dream, he did a, he did an amazing job in a um, in a six man ladder match for the NXT North American title. Velveteen Dream, Adam Cole, Lars Sullivan. Killian Dane and the debuts of both EC3 from TNA and Ricochet, who's been they've been folks have been looking for these guys. And it was just an amazing job. I mean, it was a six man ladder match. And Velveteen Dream is the real MVP of this match because he took so many bumps and made so many moves for a guy his size. Um, then to hear the crowd chant Velveteen, Velveteen, it speaks volumes. Um, unfortunately, well, fortunately, they were actually, just saying Velvinus, Velvinus. That's <laughs> what they were thinking. Actually, I got out of it. What happened to that guy? Huh? Seriously. <laughs> Oh god, it was so many racist moments with that too with the Japanese girl. God, it was horrible. Oh, and they uh, yeah. cut his stuff off too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Whoa, god. Remember no, that? You remember no, that, man? I don't attitude error, man. Yeah, uh, attitude error. They yeah. uh, he was he was messing with this what was the, the was group? Like Chris, I can't remember. It was like Kai and Ty's yeah. sister or girlfriend or whatever. So he was messing around with her doing his, you know, his whole gimmick thing and then they came out and they had the they literally put a giant baloney out on a table and they're like, oh, we'll cut your pee-pee and they sliced the baloney in half. Oh, and yeah, then there was a scene and where and they literally had him tied up, tied up by his arms yeah. and like his his pants down and it was like blocked out his naked yeah. butt and yeah. they were like looking like they were going to chop it off. I was like, like they, he, wow. they brought the, they brought the samurai like a, sword it, up yeah, and it, it came like down a, screaming a, with the black. Yeah. It was just like, oh, then it like came on and he's screaming. Yeah, it was pretty heavy, man. It really was. It was the dark days of the Attitude Era. It really was. Sorry, I was probably watching WMAC Masters instead. Um, this that particular, that particular so, so they would cheer of a Velveteen dream that Velveteen um, <laughs> but Adam Cole became the first um, new, um, North American um, NXT champ amazing job alright Wrestlemania um, this is going to be quick down and dirty only going to point out a couple things one Cena fought against the Taker um, it was great seeing Taker but the entire time I'm watching this I'm just like Man, you know, it's like one of those you see your boy stepping up to that girl, and you're like, yo, he is not coming with his A game. He's a little drunk right I'm now. I'm really upset he came you back. Wait, for wait, that wait, like, like bro. Nah, he just probably that? just came back for this. That's yeah, he did. He came, he I'm, I'm upset he came back. It's like you didn't need, you, had, you went out. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you I took the style. gloves off, you took the hat off, mm -hmm. you left it in the ring, mm -hmm. you were done. You yeah. didn't need the most to do prestigious, this like, you know, mm -hmm. exit, I think, in wrestling history in WWE history. Mm -hmm. And that's why it was it was bittersweet watching it. I'm like I love Cia Taker, but I'm like, bro, like, no, like, you yeah, good. That's why you, you good. Yeah. Fall back. This will need for you to do this. I mean, Big but he Show came, left but he like, like a Twitter post, man. So, you know, <laughs> you, you did it right. Well, it's just like, you know, Brett Favre goes out, and then all of a sudden you see him playing for whatever team again, and you know what I mean? You're half the man you were. It's kind of the same you're thing. You're like, you know, I love you, you know what I mean? You, you gave us a great career, but hang it up because it's probably not good for you either, no matter what you're doing. You're an old man. And At I mean, the end of the day, it's not fun seeing old men fall. Like, remember Rick yeah. Flair towards the end? He was getting flipped oh. up like. 15 feet in the air, landed on his back. I'm like, that's not fun for yeah, me to watch. Now, now he's just like this. <laughs> he's broken down, half like, like gimp dude. You know, it's not mm -hmm. fun. Old man with half a skeleton and like you know, uh, warped muscle. You're right. He can't It'd even be... say woo right anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's like dust comes out when he says it. <laughs> 
Like a skeleton wrapped in wax paper. Sorry. <laughs> Don't disrespect. Still love dates, man. Still love dates. Nate shows up here and tries to slap some figure fours, man. I'll be yeah. playing like yeah. that was Black yeah, Adams to that Nate. Yeah, I love you, Nate. My bad. I take it back. I, I love you, Nate. Right. I don't know. You keep wrestling until you die. You, you love you, Nate. Go ahead. Keep doing it. You get a pass. Take her? Nah, but Nate gets a pass. <laughs> Nate gets a pass. Nate gets a pass. Nate gets a pass. But anyway, um, so me take her with it and probably put in a good five minutes of um, <laughs> beating up Cena. Uh, it, it's just one of those. Props to Cena because it's Cena like he's took putting it. guys over. Come on, it's Cena like, put over Taker. You know, just like you know, it's kind of bad when you got Cena putting over Taker. You know, what I mean? hey, look, Cena, Cena's got clock like blockers, but he doesn't need this. That's what I'm saying. He don't. He don't. <laughs> but it's like also your career doesn't need that either. You know what I mean? You I mean, lost to Taker. He was dead. He was, the dead man was actually dead this time. Like, I mean, he was on his way out the door. So I mean, I guess he's just like, hey, I'll do this solid for Taker, and we all know this is gonna be a good payday for all of us. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about the rest of the matches. I um, just want to highlight, of course, what's all over the internet. Ronda Rousey making her debut. Her and Kurt Angle to get Triple H and Stephen McMahon. Um, it's what you thought. Yeah, honestly. Ronda Rousey uh, uh, dipped her nuts in the... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> It's uh, it's what I, it's what you thought it was. If you watch WrestleMania, was it maybe thirteen or twelve, whatever? When Bam Bam Bigelow fought Lawrence Taylor, and all Lawrence Taylor kept oh. doing was shoulder blocks and body slams. That's pretty much what it was. It yeah. was Ronda Rousey doing hip tosses and body slams. Wait, for so the most part, Warrior was <laughs> like that though. He came out, he went crazy, clotheslined people like twice, and well, I mean, that was <laughs> that was him. That, that was there's, there's, a, there's a difference is... with that though. There's a difference with that. I mean, because his character was original too. Yeah, you know I mean? like she's wearing. <laughs> And rowdy, rowdy Ronda stuff. stuff. She's not even like she's stealing somebody else's stuff. No. And she can't wrestle. They had to give her some gimmick. You're saying she came out the salt and pepper? No, she no, she came with the Joe Jets when she came, came out. out to. Joe, oh, of course she did. I mean, it, it's been Joe Jet the entire time. But in any event, I mean, you could see that the real MVP, MVP of this match was Triple H. Because <laughs> Triple H told the story. You could tell Triple H was calling all the moves. Kurt Angle is slow as hell because he's old. And it was just kind of brutal watching him. It's like, Oh, to be fair, Kurt, that brother, you old, that bro. That seems mouth to be plastic. the theme. It's of like, the, bro, the you night. old. Stop, fam. Stop. Mm. It's like he, he does his move where he does uh, three in succession uh, belly to back suplexes. Boom, rolls, boom, rolls, boom, rolls, Chris right? Used to do and Chris Wise do the exact same thing, but it's one of those is not that crisp. He does boom, and it's like, yeah. he's rolling. <laughs> my core strike ain't what it used like, to be. Oh, yeah. my God. Stop, stop. Like, just, just tap out, homie. This is not good for you. You've like, been hanging out too much at the craft services table. It's just like, <laughs> he's got to drink some more milk, that's all. <laughs> it was just like, man, I love Kurt Angle, but he, you, his age is showing bad. Um, there was one point where, um, of course, they're going to have Ronda Rousey square up against Triple H because, you know, they really try to put a rover as this extreme badass and called her the baddest woman on the planet. I'm like, nah, she no, you were not the baddest woman on the planet. Um, at some point, she starts punching on Triple H and she gets him to the corner and she's stealing him and she got them hands. I'm sitting here like, them hands were not there while Holly Holm was fighting you. Them <laughs> hands were not there when you fought Amanda Nunes, but you got hands now? Mm. Like, what? And there's a point in the match where she puts Stephanie McMahon to the R bar and Stephanie McMahon breaks the R bar. My boy's like, come on, you trying to tell me these real women at MMA can't get off an R bar, but Steph- Stephanie McMahon can get out of an R bar? Are you serious right now? So it's a lot of like suspension of belief um, in this match. But in the end, of course, Ronda looks great. Uh, the real MVP is Triple H for telling a great story. Stephanie sold all the moves, even though there's a point where 
they just kind of like collided <laughs> because it was like Ronda's trying to do a flip, but she didn't do the flip right, and it was just it was just messy. She like, she like dropped Stephanie once. It was just sloppy in the very beginning to the point you know Triple H told her to slow the hell down because this match is going to shit fast. But yeah, at the yeah, end, yeah, Ronda yeah. looked strong. Um, it was the best possible outcome for this match. If Triple H was not there telling the story and calling all the moves, well, that's probably why he's like, I gotta kind of I gotta do this because if yeah. not, this is gonna be sloppy as hell. Like, he handled it like a ring general. He told the story throughout. And for wrestling fans, you know what that means. Like, you don't have to be in the ring to tell the story. I could tell if Pat and Adam was scrapping and it's a three way match, I could call the match and like. I'm like, okay, hit me in the face, knock me out. But I could be throwing, telling Adam moves to make sure he does the pat in order the story to keep going, even though I'm not a player in that particular segment of the story. Mm. It's literally theater. Um, and Triple H showed that masterfully. So overall, WrestleMania, watch it. I mean, there's a lot more that happened. Um, it's WrestleMania, man, and it's what it is. Cool. It's the biggest biggest event of the year in wrestling. Right, yes. Right there was WrestleMania 34. WrestleMania 2018 from our very own JM, the thriller. JM, the Thriller Priest. Yeah, yeah. Weighing in. <laughs> from, from parts unknown. <laughs> from parts unknown. And the blue corner. I still can't believe he, he got away with parts unknown. Uh, <laughs> all right. Protege of Arn Anderson. I'm the one black Anderson. <laughs> black Anderson. <laughs> they didn't have any uh, black Andersons. No. No, they uh, did. Protege of uh, An- was it, Anton Jackson. <laughs> All right. Oh, okay. Right now, I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to turn to uh, to my boy over there looking extra serious, super serial. Y'all got to, just Johnny. Y'all got to tell me I'm about ready what happened for these some games, more man. mediocrity, man. All right. He's ready to. He want to rush. Um, okay. We're about to talk about PAX, 28, PAX East 2018, the uh, gaming convention that just came through here right in uh, in sunny. Sunny. Yeah, uh, well, Boston, only, Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah it actually got- snowed on the first day. So it was. Really interesting seeing those crowds just lined up, close to a thousand people just uh, parked outside the World Trade Center, and it's a Is nice, the World Trade it's a nice, Center? yeah, not uh, the BCEC. Isn't that isn't that the World Trade? No. Oh, okay. World Trade's across the street. Next to the West Boston no, Convention Center. That's the, that's the BCEC. No, the World yeah. Trade Center is across the street. God dang it. Well, it's okay, all good. That, that, that place right here in Boston, <laughs> on Summer Street. That's as accurate as I'm about to get right now. But all these people waiting outside. Mm-hmm. And security did have their uh, game, and uh, like they, they had learned from their mistakes last Better year. Better than last year? Yeah. So um, there was uh, there was more organization and people did get in faster, uh, but still a lot of folks they weren't prepared for the Boston weather. I think it was uh, a lot of wind chill that morning, uh, the first morning, and then it started snowing on the crowd. So yeah. that was like a nice way to mm. usher folks in. But once we got inside the doors, the place was uh, running much more smoothly than last year. I'll say that at the start, and I got to see a lot of cool stuff. Um, Johnny I actually didn't run into you the entire weekend. I saw you out of the corner of my eye while I was talking to a. Another dev, so I couldn't like you know say. What's other, up. You, you, you sure it was me? It wasn't one of the other black guys? Just it like was you. Lantern. You had you had this uh, lady <laughs> following you around. Yeah. Sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the ladies. Yeah. It was like two or three. You might have noticed. Yeah. Uh, it was, they're, it they're was, holding me by the dread. I'd even let them touch me. Uh, <laughs> well, call me the, the, the big Pat Boski. <laughs> uh, it was big as usual. Just a whole lot going on. Uh, they amped up. Pretty much everything. Uh, there, it seemed like there was even more indies, more indie games there to show off, more esports games and esports competitions and things like that going on. Well, that's become a gripe for me because uh, it's always been congested on the floors, and that's to be expected. Mm-hmm. It's a convention, but I think I think they've um, they they haven't learned 
from uh, criticism of previous years where folks cannot navigate that first part of the convention hall. You come down the the, uh, the escalators or the stairs yes. right from the entrance, and it's nothing but like a wall of people. It doesn't matter which day it is. doesn't matter mm. uh, if it's like this towards the start or towards the end of the uh, convention day. When you're on the, uh, the vendor floor, it's just a wall of people. The heat hits you in the face, and you cannot navigate. It takes like all of five minutes to go 20 feet before you can actually reach the rest of the booths. And I think that actually hurts a lot of the uh, presence of the uh, of a lot of the smaller houses, a lot more of the India, uh, the indie booths, etc. Because people are there for competition, and that's that's well and good. This is the place for it. The problem is don't have that on the floor. You know, there's an entire convention hall at your disposal. There's room. There's rooms upstairs that go unused because they'll have like panels on one floor. Uh, the game rooms on a second floor, and then uh, there's a third floor that just goes like it's it's mostly vacant, you know. Uh, and there's like, well, this is a panel room that's not being used, and another one's not being used. So you go down to the end, and there's one panel way at the uh, at the far at the far uh, corridor. It's like, well, why not use all this space for the arenas that you've got set up on the uh, on the convention floor, and open it up so that folks that are actually there to check out new games, to buy products from these vendors that pay a lot of money to be there, to actually uh, take part. And I mean, make it a more fluid experience for them. You don't have to lose any stuff is what I'm getting at. You can reposition. I mean, from a, from a, from a consumer's perspective, I me mean, mind you, only went last year. I didn't get a chance to make it this year. If I was looking for... I'm, try, novice, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to go to the place where everything is. Yeah. So I hear you 100%. But if I want to go see a developer who's like, hey, baby, we're going to have a competition upstairs on the third floor. I'm like, I ain't going. I mean, you're going to say I'm not going to go. Bro, you going you gonna, you gonna to tell me that you... Uh, you go down to the Overwatch booth and they say, yo, they're playing Overwatch. They got a competition upstairs where you're not just, uh, you can watch without having to be in this, uh, in the, in the aisle where folks are pushing you constantly trying to get by in your face, right behind you, touching you and stuff, trying to make room. I'm going to say, I'm going to say People no. posing for pictures right next to you. All you have to do is go upstairs where there's seats available. There's larger screen. All that's there for you in the experience. You're going to tell me that still wouldn't be appealing. Correct. What? Why? Because everything's around me still. Because while I'm in, while I'm watching Overwatch, and if I'm not, if I start dozing off or spacing out a little bit, and I look over, I'm like, oh, there's a Nintendo Switch booth. You know, I could go over there real quick. Look at that lines move real fast. I go over there and play Mario Kart real quick. Then I just get up and walk out. If not, I am blocking myself. I'm dedicating myself only to that one game, only to that one segment upstairs, all on the third floor. Mm, Whereas versus, I, I, I still just, have everything around me at, at my disposal. Yeah, more just, options. Just, more options. Yeah. I hear you, P. Well, Johnny, hey, you're, yeah. you're, in, you're in the you're in the you're in the in the same camp. Uh, it didn't bother me at all. Uh, but I mostly stood in the indie section, and they kind of speckled it about. Uh, I guess a bit more because right up. Uh, in the prior years, they had all the big companies yep. right at the very front, mm -hmm. and it seemed like at the very front, the big companies were still there, but along the outsides of mm -hmm. that, they had mm -hmm. a lot of indie games, and I'm talking like really indie games, stuff that you wouldn't yeah, expect to be that, that high up, that that. That close. That, far, that close to the escalator, the main escalator, wow. and stuff like that. That's a new so thing they good. did, but here's the problem with that. Anyone who's like a, uh, uh, I don't want to say a PAX veteran, but have, has been to the convention in years prior, I, if I, if I had, a, I had an interview scheduled at one of those booths. If I had, if I didn't, I wouldn't have gone up there like at all, because you've just got that Pavlovian response over time to know this is the area you have to get through 
to see a lot of the stuff that you can actually access and, and most of the stuff that you want because this is where those big arena games are showing. This is also where, uh, you know, Markiplier is having uh, an, a couch interview that, uh, you know, 100 people are watching surrounding this booth and bleeding into the aisles that you just have to go through. Sure. You know, so it's like so uh. it's like that whole area I've come to know is not a place for content. So the fact that uh, they're just speckling around that that's good, but it still could be better. Uh, well, I guess. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, the layout wasn't that big of a deal for someone who's just interested. For me, I was just mm -hmm. interested in covering as many of the indie games as I could, mm -hmm. and I thought the layout was uh, perfectly fine. They seem to put most of the. Uh, memorabilia slash uh merch merch mm -hmm. uh stuff on the uh i don't know south yeah. side of the building or or on on the right hand side if you're looking at the okay. entrance yep. yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Thing uh, they they did too. normally that stuff is available upstairs yep. uh just before you enter the uh you enter the um the uh the vendor floor which is good Oh, so you mean like the packs? You talk about the packs merch? Yeah. Oh, all that's available now on the floor, and they have a larger area for it, so you can sell more stuff. It's so it, it mm -hmm. makes yeah. more fluid uh, lines, and nice. um, it's it's just better for anyone who wants to pick that stuff up without worrying. Well, you know, they only have one long table for that, and they're most likely going to run out before I get there. It's like no, it was available there, and they kept replenishing uh, the entire weekend. Yeah, because of that, I didn't spend pretty much any time I walked through the right-hand side of the entire building and convention, but knowing that there was no games there for me that I wanted to check out, uh, I pretty much stood to the left side, mostly <laughs> the left side. I, I covered uh, almost the entirety of the, the main hall area, but I didn't, you know, I, I went to the right-hand side only when I was absolutely required to go to the right-hand side. So layout, it was fine, fine for me. When uh -huh. I see all I those games you got in front of you, all those cards. Yeah, give me a game that stood out. Yeah, what's, all right. So, so stuff, uh, of the indie games, there was one called Renane. Uh, it's uh, sorry to say, but it looks like a darker Shovel Knight, but it's a faster pace, more actiony type of uh, platforming. Uh, from what I can get from it. It looks incredible. It's uh, locally developed here in the greater Boston area. Hmm. I talked to the dev, awesome guy. They're running a Kickstarter right now. The game is called Renane. It's it's uh, very impressive looking, and if you're a fan of Shovel Knight or pixel art games like that, this oh. is definitely one to look at. They did this unique thing with their art style where no colored pixels are touching one another. Everything has a black border around it, so uh, it segregated messes this. Yo, we gotta keep the colors separated. <laughs> what? So, so it makes the whole game, the whole oh, world, Jesse. just look darker because of that, uh, that choice, that art style choice. All right. Well, I got to check out a uh, a cool game called The Church in the Darkness. Um, the concept of this seemed really tight to me because it's mm -hmm. a game where uh, you're infiltrating this church that sets up quote-unquote church because no one really knows anything about it but you get a letter from your uh from your mother saying that you just came back from college and your brother's gone missing and the only details she has are a postcard from this church implying that maybe he's gone there you don't know what they're about they're very secretive and your goal is to infiltrate and see what's going on and i'm like yo this sounds crazy let me it check really this does. out and uh actually talking to the guy i got an interview which we'll post later on but talking to the guy it seemed kind of cool where it's like you don't know what this church is about and the entire game uh, the entire game uh, plays out according to your action. <clears throat> so you can go in and uh, purely uh, 
uh, going on a purely uh, uh, espionage tip and you're just like, you know, hiding in places, you're, you know, uh, picking up clues and stealing uh, documents, taking notes and, you know, uh, and, you know, choking people out and stuff. And you can do that and the game will respond accordingly. Or you can also uh, infiltrate and uh, join the cult and find out what it's uh, going, what's going on from the inside and opt to take them out or opt to join them. You can also go in just like, you know, uh, pick up, uh, find a gun, go in shooting people. You know, uh, you can go in guns blazing. Uh, it, it, it's like you have various uh, ways to shooting approach the situation. <laughs> yeah. And the way you approach the game play depends on uh, uh, is, is what is this is what um, uh, decides whether or not you are the hero or the villain of the game. I thought that was actually pretty cool. The problem is playing the sucker. Uh, it's very. Um, it's got a few. Ch- it's got a few uh, uh, kinks to work out, and it was kind of tedious. I'm like, he's describing all this cool stuff, and I'm seeing like this really uh, nice animation. It's top down, which I think may have been a little detrimental because everything looked beautiful, but it looked beautiful mm. from a distance, you know. And I'm like, I'm playing this game. I want to get closer. I want to go to first person and see around the corner and things. And uh, I think it's just got some work to do in the actual playout, but uh, conceptually, it seemed really fun. It was called The Church in the Darkness. Uh, uh, I, there was another game I checked out called Beacon. Mm-hmm. It's a sci-fi action roguelike game. Uh, I love those roguelikes, man. Yeah, yeah. this one's uh, so it's all in 3D, so it's not like a pixel art game, but the 3D elements of it is very geometric. Everything, Almost mm-hmm. everything is made in triangles and Pretty much no texturing. Everything's done through just light shaders, it seems like. Uh, And it looks very... Because of that, the colors really pop and stand out. And uh, the sci-fi element is you're playing as this character that crash lands on this weird alien planet. And the levels you're going through, it's very much kind of like Diablo style where it's randomized. And Mm -hmm. and the enemies are, are randomly generated, the level layout and stuff like that. And you're going through it and you're trying to survive. And you know, roguelike, so permadeath and stuff like that. So uh, I played uh, a bit of it. It's still on the early stages. Uh, there's definitely still bugs in there, but it's definitely worth some uh, worth checking out. There's there's some promise there in that one. Cool. Uh, I played a game called Just Shapes and Beats. And it's <laughs> a game where it it's just shapes and beats. It's kind of set up like asteroids, where you uh, and uh, four of the players. <laughs> Yeah, uh, three of the players can take uh, a, a shape of your own. One of you is a hexagon, one of you is a triangle, one of you is a square, and you all are in this void where every time there's a beat, it's like it's like a, it's like it's a music game. Anytime there's a beat, some like laser beam fires in from off screen, and you've just got to like avoid getting hit this whole time. And if you are hit, then uh, your shape disappears. I think it's like two hits, but your shape disappears, and you become like this ghost that's basically waiting for a medic as you gradually float off screen. If you float off screen, you're dead. If one of the other shapes comes and touches you, then um, you're back to life, and it's just shapes and beats again, which sounded like fun conceptually. Uh, <laughs> once I got in the game, um, it's, uh, it's, not, it's a multiplayer game. There is no single player, and I was uh, roaming by myself at the time, so this dude said, okay, well, we'll find you some friends. He got a bunch of, like, really young, I, I, I'm guessing if the, at the oldest they were, like, uh, high school freshmen sat me down with these kids who all knew each other and they just they're talking smack to me the whole time <laughs> oh you're dead again old man come on yo <laughs> and yeah i wouldn't recommend it past like a, a two-minute experience wow. gotcha. uh, uh there was this uh game i checked out called debris it uh it already released uh late last year uh and they are just kind of showing off more of it it's this first person exploration kind of walking simulator but instead of walking you're swimming so it takes place uh under 
uh, in the Ar Antarctic Ocean environment where this meteorite sort of crashed uh, into there and sort of irradiated the underwater sea life that's underneath there and sort of caused the creatures over there to mutate. Uh, so as you're going through, disaster strikes, and now you're trying to recover back, uh, find the rest of your team, uh, there's so you're kind of stuck between uh, uh, walls of ice that are kind of closing in, uh, and you're sort of following this little squid droid thing. You always and, want squid droid. Yeah, and there's banter between you and uh, your other, I guess, um, scuba mate or whatever and there's some banter and stuff like that things mm -hmm. that you kind of expect from walking simulator uh i wasn't expect when i when i was playing it it was clear to me that there was uh still work left to be done in this mm -hmm. but then i talked to the dev and it turns out that they already released the game oh so it, it <laughs> but they've been working on it uh since release so uh it's certainly a better game since it came out it's interesting it's not my style of game but uh, you play it, I was playing it, and I could tell that effort went into it. Uh, but, you know, if, if you're a fan of Walking Simulators, this is probably something cool to check out. Alright, um, we're almost out of time, so the last thing I'll mention is uh, Wormhole Wars, the game that everyone really wanted to play, and I got to check out because it's a cross between Halo and Portal. And it seemed really cool conceptually. It's a game where you're essentially in a Halo environment where you're um, in an arena battle with other characters and your units are like Master Chief. You've got the armor, you've got your guns, and everyone also has the ability to fire portals which take them to uh, different areas in the map, just like in the game portal, which is cool. I thought it was an interesting mechanic. The problem is it the fun of the game, after experiencing it for myself, depends heavily on who you're playing with. And lucky me, I got to sit down and play against like three professional YouTubers because they're like, oh, you're press? Well, good, we have a demo going on here for uh, uh, some uh, some professional YouTubers. Here, sit down, you're all kindred, right? And I'm like, I don't want to play against cats who do this for a living. Yeah, That's, right. you know, yeah, they sat me up against <laughs> the cat. And shout out the hip hop gamer who was nice enough to uh, whoop my ass and talk smack the whole time. Also, a special experience sitting there and getting to hear cats uh, criticize my suck ass gameplay wow. right off uh, wow. right off screen there. What was the favorite your favorite game your pick of the show? My favorite was actually the Descenders. No, nah. <laughs> uh, my favorite was actually a game called the Descenders. Uh, uh, the downhill racing. Yes, bike it's game? just a downhill bike game. That's yeah. all it was. You know, uh, no, and we we got to see uh, several other titles, and we'll post those on the website uh, later on this week. So keep an eye out for that. Um, yeah, uh, just uh, real quick. My pick is a game called Exception. Mm -hmm. It's basically N+, but there's 3D elements in it, and as you complete a level, it sort of like does this weird 3D rotation thing. It's a wild, fast-paced game. There's you have to, it's also very action oriented. You have a, you have like this weird beam sword katana e thing, and you're bouncing off of walls, and you're killing enemies, you're deflecting bullets all the while. You're not stopping, and you're constantly running. It's kind of like Sonic meets N plus meets uh, Ninja Gaiden. It's Man, really you had really me at cool. N+. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's really good precision based platforming, but on crack. All right, so it's, it was PAX East 2018. They've vastly stepped their game up, I think, in organization of the actual. Uh, security and uh, flow of uh, crowds through the main area. I still think there's some work to do on the floor and re and uh, reordering that needs to be done with the arenas. But otherwise, it was a real good experience. I'd recommend Cash check out the next event. Uh, PAX East 2019 should be the shiz. Mm. Yeah, Johnny. Yeah, it was, I had a blast. It was really good. All right, I guess thumbs up from both of us. All right, this has been the Geek Down here on WEMF Radio. I want to thank you all for joining us for another awesome night. I want to hit. First of all, I want to thank Jam the Philip Priest. Peace, peace. My man, hit it one time. 
Bah. Ah, ah. I want to thank Black Adam Willis, my man. Yep. Want to thank. Oh, <laughs> Juggalo Johnny. Yeah, there you go. I want to thank you awesome people for joining us. You can catch us all every Monday night right here on WMFRadio.com. You can also check us out at geek-down.com. And the about section will have links to all our social media. But we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter, SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, all those places you can hear our lovely voices, see our video and all that good stuff there. And if you heard anything tonight you want to chime in on, hit us up at geekdownradio at gmail.com and let us know what you thought if you liked the game if you liked the movie uh, Red Death of Stalin anything and keep mm-hmm. us posted until next week we'll catch you same bat time same bat channel but until then be excellent to each other peace peace